Hey, good morning, church family. I am so excited to be able to preach today. We are in part two of our core value series. Uh, I think this series is essential. Um, you know, all churches have the same mission, which is the Great Commission, uh, but all churches have different distinctives, and we get to talk about our distinctives. And so if you're a part of our church family and you're a part of our community, this will be an awesome series for you. Matter of fact, last week, PD Pops, my dad, our lead pastor, brought an incredible message. And let me just tell you something. Dad was on fire last week. So Pops, if you're watching this, I just want to shout you out, tell you thank you so much for that word. But he talked about one of my favorite subjects on the planet, which is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And so here's the little sticky statement attached to our core value of church, which is that we are one big family. Now, he addressed the church. Let me read this quote to you that uh, I wrote down from him last week. What is the church? The church is a body. And healthy bodies grow. Healthy bodies mature. And so remember, salvation is found in Christ, but growth is found in the body of Christ. He goes on to say, roots precede fruits. Ah, I love that. Let me say it one more time. Um, Salvation is found in Christ, but growth is found in the body of Christ. So roots precede fruits. So he talked about church last week, and uh, I thought it was an incredible message. What I want to do is I want to talk about not just church, but I want to talk about what happens in between the walls of church. And that should be, here's the key word for today, growth, growth. Um, Now here's the kind of sticky statement attached to our growth core value, growth. Healthy people grow. Let me say it again. Growth is our core value. Number two core value of this series, growth and healthy people grow. I always tell people this, especially because we've had church, we've had people from other churches come to our church and I tell them all the time, listen, you need to go where you grow. And if that means here, awesome. If that means you need to stay rooted in your church, awesome. If that means you have to be sent and, you know, leave blessed and go to a different church, awesome. But you need to be in church because that's a value. Jesus went to church. I'll talk about that today. While at the same time, listen, healthy people grow. You need to be growing. And so here's a little subtitle and a subtext for you today. I like my titles. I think they're really important. I work hard on these things. But here's the title for the whole message today is this, A Home for the Hungry. Connect Church. We are a home for the hungry. If you want to remain stagnant, if you want to remain lukewarm, if you want to remain the same and you want to settle and be on the same path you've been on for a long time, let me just tell you something. This church, come on, Framingham, help me preach. Come on online, help me preach. This church might not be for you. At Connect Church, we got a value of growth because healthy people grow. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. I want to show you how biblical this is. And uh, at the same time, I want to show you that Jesus isn't just our Savior. He's not just our Lord. He is also our example. And in this text, we find that this is the one passage of Scripture where we find Jesus in his youth. So we get this window of his birth. And then we fast forward all the way to year 12. And we find ourselves in year 12 of Jesus' life. And uh, I'll go on and start in verse, let's go verse 40 as a matter of fact. So verse 40, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2 says this. Speaking of Jesus, And the child grew, he became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I'll say it again. The child grew, he became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Let's read uh, a little bit more. I brought my actual physical Bible today, so all those that are watching, uh, you guys can have it on the screen. If you have a digital Bible, that's awesome. But the real spiritual people, they always got their physical Bibles. It says this. Now his parents, here's a really fascinating story, by the way. We're going to weave some conversation in and out of this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. 
And when Jesus was 12 years old, how old was he? It's important to remember. He was 12 years old. They went up according to their custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. So the parents left the Passover meal. The parents left the Passover feast. And they went back home. And Jesus stayed. Now they were unaware that Jesus stayed. So then it goes on to say, His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in the group, I'll explain this, they went on a day's journey, and then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned back to Jerusalem, searching for him. And after three days, pause for a second, these parents, Mary and Joseph, lost Jesus, the Savior of the world. Mary knew she had an angel come at the birth of Jesus, and his, he visited Mary. And essentially the angel said, yeah, you're going to give birth to the Savior of humanity. And they lost him for three days. Three entire days. Can you just imagine for a second, like, can we just, can we just go on a limb and just say, yeah, worst parents maybe ever, probably. And so they lost him for three days. But where did they find him? They found him in the temple. Because Jesus prioritized church. Let's go back to last week, what, what PD was preaching. Jesus prioritized church. So should you. <laughs> So they found him in the temple. And what was Jesus doing? He wasn't just in church. He was sitting among the teachers. He was listening to them. And he was even asking questions. How many days was he doing this? He was doing this for three days. And so Jesus communicates something to us. And I want you to write this down in your notes, wherever you're taking notes. Whether it's on your phone, whether it's on paper, wherever. I want you to write this down. Sunday isn't enough. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it actually says, don't neglect meeting together. As a matter of fact, as the day approaches, meet more together. But Sunday is not enough for your spiritual growth and your spiritual development, which is why we offer small groups. It's why we offer community. It's why you need to find mentors. It's why you need to find brothers and sisters in Christ. It's why you need to find spiritual fathers and mothers. And for the older generation, I need you to invest in the younger generation. To the younger generation, swallow a humble pill and ask for some help because we need community and we need each other. I'm already preaching right now and I haven't even gotten into my message. Okay. So they found him in the temple. Jesus was sitting among the teachers. He was listening to them. And he was asking them some questions. So for some of my, some of my people that love theology, if you go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, really Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, the whole passage right there talks about how, how divinity became humanity. Jesus laid down his rights as God. And so he, he, he laid aside his divine attributes and he gave himself fully to God, but he gave himself fully into human. Uh, humanhood, if that's the right word, humanity. And so he laid down his divine attributes. So now Jesus does not have omnipresence or omniscience because he is finite in a human body. I hope you're following me. So because he's finite in a human body, he has to, watch this, grow. He has to develop because he does not have omniscience. He is not all-knowing. He does not have all the growth he does not have all the knowledge. He does not have all of his divine attributes. So what do we find Jesus doing? Sitting in a temple, listening, asking questions, to the point where at verse 47, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and were amazed at his answers. Another translation talks about the questions he was asking literally blew people's minds. At how old? Twelve. And when his parents saw him, the Bible says they were astonished, and rightfully so. You've lost your son for three days. You should be astonished, and you should be in awe. As a matter of fact, in my eyes, you should be ashamed. I'm kidding, but for real, though. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. If you looked in the Greek, that word great distress, in a different translation, would actually be sorrowful. 
and it was likened to the same word as having people head to hell. That was, that was the word that it likened it to in the Greek. Is That's how much stress that Mary had. So, and then Jesus responded, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must... Watch this. Watch this language. I must be in my Father's house. This wasn't just a preference of Jesus. This was a mandate of His. So He says, I must be in my Father's house. And they did not understand the saying that He spoke to them. So He went down with them. He came to Nazareth and He was submissive to, submissive to them. And His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And watch this. Here's the key verse for today. And we, all, we almost read a verse that was already similar to this. Here's the key verse. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. Now verse 52 sounds very similar to verse 40. Let me read it one more time. What, said, what was said earlier. And the child grew. He became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with man. I find this verse so powerful. Because Jesus, the Savior of the world, grew. He took time to invest in himself, to sit under rabbi's teaching, to ask questions, to learn, and to grow. Matter of fact, write this title down if you didn't already. I said it once before, I'm going to say it again. Connect Church is a home for the hungry. Now, I want to ask this simple question, and then I want to get into my message today. But I want to ask this question, is this. Is are you aging or are you growing? Let me say it again. Are you aging or are you growing? Because let me tell you something. The two are completely exclusive and they are completely different. Some people are aging and they're just getting older. But some people are growing and they are only getting better. Listen, I don't want it to be said of you that you have just grown in age. And you know, you're not 20 anymore. You might be 40 now. But honestly, I've met a lot of 40-year-olds that still act like 20-year-olds. I've met a lot of people that are 30 or 40. They got kids, but emotionally they're still 15 years old. And I'm not coming at you. I'm not mad at you at all. I'm just saying there's a difference between somebody that ages and somebody that grows. Are you growing or are you aging? And that's what I want to address today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. I pray it would be illuminated today. Help me to preach with clarity, with confidence, and with boldness your principles to better their lives. I pray that this would be not just a core value of our church, but this would be a lived core value of our church. That we have a home for hungry people, where we are just constantly growing, getting better and getting better, but not just getting better personally, but becoming more like Jesus. Help us to hear from heaven, to encounter the power of God. And uh, we need to hear your voice today, Lord, uh, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, come on online and frame me. Everybody said, amen and amen. Um, let me start right off with this little sticky statement for you. I can confidently predict your future. Confidently. I threw this video on my YouTube recently, and it got a few people talking. They were like, what? What are you talking about? I can confidently predict your future. Now, here's what you need to understand. Is the future and talking about the future, by the way, is such an anxiety and a stressor to so many people. So many people. Do you know why? It's because in America, it is a $2 billion business. $2 billion. Here's why. Uh, all we want to know, we, want, we are reading fortune cookies. We are all about horoscopes. We are all about palm reading, be, uh, knowing what the weather is supposed to be like, even astrology. There are so many different lists of people. They just need to know the future. And I don't know if you fall into one of these two camps, but some people either live in the past 
Or some people have such anxiety about the future. I'm a, I'm a young adults pastor. Naturally, I'm around young people all the time. And people are tormented in their soul and in their mind. And so many of them are so stressed about what the future holds. I read this book. It was called uh, Win the Day by Mark Batterson. He says it like this. He goes, listen, tomorrow, I'm sorry. He goes, tomorrow is a mystery. And yesterday was history. So win the day. Oh, I love that line. He goes, yesterday was history, tomorrow's a mystery, so win the day. He talks about being present. Matter of fact, I'll give you this little illustration. I was driving back from Alabama, okay? I'm visiting my family, and my wife and I, and my two boys, actually we didn't have Ezra at the time, so my one son, my wife is pregnant, would not recommend a huge travel trip like that, was not the best experience on the planet, but we're driving from Alabama all the way back to Boston, it's about a 25, 24 hour trip, and we're traveling through Tennessee. So in the middle of Tennessee is this border where it goes um, the Central Standard Time and the Eastern Standard Time. So there's an hour difference. So if you cross through a particular town, I don't know what town it was, but I do remember looking at my clock and seeing, hey, it was just three o'clock and now it's four o'clock and one minute has passed. What was that about? So I literally crossed into one town and the town is split in half by the Eastern Seaboard. I'm sorry, not by the Eastern Seaboard, by the Central Standard Time and the Eastern Standard Time. So watch. In some parts of the town was the past, and in other parts of the town was the future. And you have this one distinct line separating the two. That fine line, let's call this symbolically today, let's call that moment the present. And we have so many people where some people live in the past, some people live in the future, and few people provide time and attention and give their best in the present. And I'm wondering if that's you, if you're in one of those camps. Do you live in the someday sickness camp where you are just tormented by the future? Or do you live in the glory day virus camp where you just live in the past and you have no hope for the future? Well, I want to tell some people today, take responsibility for today. And I want to set some people at ease because so many of us are terrified of what the future holds for us or we're tormented by what would happen or where am I going to be or what job am I going to have or what relationship am I going to be in or who am I supposed to marry or where am I supposed to go or what state am I supposed to be in and all these thoughts can torment you and give you such anxiety but here's the shift of focus that I want all of our church to think about today is don't focus so much on where you're going but who you're becoming. I'll say it again because that's worthy of being written down. Don't focus so much on where you're going, but on who you're becoming. Because God is obsessed with you. And God is omnipresent. I want to let some, set some people at ease. I did this message one time. You should go back on YouTube, as a matter of fact. I did this message called, I Got Plans. There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about, you know, many are the, man, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. And so in your plans, by the way, you can make your plans but put God's purposes in those plans. If your plans are glorifying God, if your plans are uh, evangelizing the world, if your plans are edifying the saints, those are the three things that I, I communicated in that message. If your plans are in that and the Lord's purposes are in that, man, God's going to bless your plans. But so many of us are tormented by the fact that we don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're going. And I want this message to help you with that today. Matter of fact, you know, I'll give you one more story as my setup and hopefully kind of lead into where we're headed today. But hopefully you're connecting with this is that God wants you to grow. Not so much on where you're going. Stop focusing so much on where you're going, but on who you're becoming. And if you're growing and investing in yourself, and I'm going to talk about what to do 
and I'm going to talk about how to grow. But I want to ask the first question is, do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? And I want to, and I want to address later, how do you grow, okay? So that's where we're going. But first, let me just tell you a quick little story, and then we'll move on to the teaching portion. I was visiting my gym. So I go to Energy Lab in Milford, and I was, uh, my dad and mom actually just recently moved to around the area. They moved in Hopkinton. And so my dad's looking for a new gym. And my dad and I haven't worked out in the same gym together in like literally half a decade plus. And so he was like, hey, Dev, let me check out your gym and maybe I can join the gym. So I'm pumped. I'm like, I get to work out with my dad again. And at the same time, I started considering that. I'm like, oh, crap, I have to work out with my dad again. I don't know if you've seen this guy, but he just looks like a silverback gorilla, okay? They're like, that's my dad. He's huge. So we go work out. We do our workout. I'm absolutely exhausted. I feel like an amoeba. I feel like he just mangled me from the workout that we did but I'm also like you know I'm kind of pumped you know I'm, I'm, I'm all about it We're, I'm cool with breaking a good sweat and we we had a great workout we go back to the counter and my dad's like you know what I'm gonna join this gym I'm like yes let's go dad and I are gonna work out together we're gonna be workout buddies so if you see me in you know the next two months and I've gained 45 pounds of muscle my traps just go up to my ears you probably know why okay so I go up to the guy and the guy goes uh yeah so is he wanted to sign up for a membership pops is like yep I do and he goes, okay, let's work out all the payment plans. He ends up saying, hey, there's a mandatory, uh, there's a mandatory trial that you have to go through. And actually, one of our personal trainers are going to give you an assessment. And this guy at the front desk looks at my dad. He goes, yeah, um, I'm going to assume you don't need this. And I literally look at the guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good assumption. And my dad just does the peck dance, just pop, 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 pop. I know you're probably like. This is the weirdest sermon on the planet. Probably is, to be honest. But literally, I look at the guy. The guy looks at my dad. He's like, yeah, I'm going to assume you don't need a personal trainer because this guy can probably train our trainers. And dad just literally goes, yeah. He didn't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry for dishonoring you, Pops. Anyways, so I literally see Pops, and we die laughing. But this guy took one look at my dad. I want, I want this to teach you for a second. This guy took one look at Pops, and he recognized, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy is growing. And listen to me. I think there is one key distinctive for people. I told you earlier, I can confidently predict your future. I think there is one key distinctive to be able to predict people that are going to be successful. I want to talk about that word in a minute because this word has been sabotaged by culture, by the way. But I think there's one key indicator and one word that can predict your future. And it's one trait that is within all people that are killing it in life. And that word is this, hungry, hungry. Write it down. This word is hungry. Here's my definition. Here's the working definition for the sermon is this. Hungry means to have an insatiable appetite to learn more, to do more, and to be more. I'll say it again. Hungry. Hunger is this insatiable appetite to know more, to do more, and to be more. And I wonder if there's some people in this house today. I wonder if there's some people watching today online in Framingham, wherever you're watching from, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast. I am wondering today if you have this quality on the inside of you where you're just hungry to grow. I just think for so many people, they just remain and they settle exactly where they're at. And friend, can I tell you, that grieves the heart of God. I had a mentor tell me one time, he says, Devin, mediocrity is a grave sin. Mediocrity. Essentially what that mediocrity's definition is, if you're going up the mountain, as you settle right in the middle, and you've gone up a little bit, 
but you haven't reached the top. Listen, I, I don't want more than what God has for me. I want all of what God has for me, though. More than what God has for me, that's greedy. But all that God has for me, that's hungry. I want a church. I pray that our church gets this and this spirit comes on you is that you just get hungry to know more, do more, and be more. It's hungry. Hungry people know this. Here's what I wrote down. Hungry people know that getting older does not mean you're getting better. Hungry people know. Write this down. This is, this is a powerful statement. This is provocative. Settling is satanic. Jesus is Lord. I feel like preaching and throwing this camera into these chairs right now. Settling is satanic. It is not something that is in the heart of God for your life. That is not the will of God for your life. It's to remain the same. God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. And we see it in the text. Jesus at 12 years old, he says, no, I must be in my father's house. What, what was this? This was a statement to say, I am obsessed with my purpose. I am obsessed with not staying how I am. Uh, let, this be a, let this be a challenge for all the young people in the room, for all the 12-year-olds, all the middle schoolers, all, the, all people in elementary school. You can get obsessed with your purpose. For some of the parents, let me tell you, just give people and pray that, the God, that God gives them their purpose at a young age. And like Jesus, I must be in my father's house. I must grow. I must learn. He increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. This man was growing. And I pray that that is said of you in your life. Is that's what hungry people do. So two questions. I asked them before, but I want to ask them again. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? Or do you want to remain the same? Do you want to take life the way it has been? I'm telling you, I think so many people are miracle stories. It's amazing where God has taken you. Come on, for so many of us, I, we should get grateful right now that you, have, you are not where you used to be. I remember being in a place where I was, I was depressed. I was angry. I was purposeless. I needed therapy. I needed counseling. And I still do to this day. Lord knows my wife can agree with me on that. But that being said, I have been, I have grown so far. I've gone so much and it's by the grace of God. But don't stay there. God does not want you to stay there. Settling is satanic. It's satanic. It is not of God. And I want to challenge our church. It's time to know more, to do more, and to become more. Because hungry people, they shift their focus not to where they're going, but to who they're becoming. And so do you want to grow? I'll tell you a few motivations that I have. Pastor Larry, he's a mentor of ours. He said this. He goes, the world is drowning in inspiration, but they're dehydrated in motivation. What motivates you to grow? I think so many people don't have an internal motivation to grow. Here's, here's mine. Here's just what I wrote down. Is This is why I am challenged to grow. Is the, it, These things, when I, when I get motivated and I think about these things, it puts a fire in my belly to say, I can't remain the same anymore. Number one would be this, my legacy. When somebody hears your name, what immediately pops up? What immediately pops up? I care so deeply for my legacy. I want my name to mean something. I want when, when people hear the name Devin Fry, I don't want them to just think of Fry family. I want them to think that man gave everything to the church. That man gave everything to his family. That man gave everything to utilizing his gifts that God gave him and giving it to other people. My gift is to, is to help people recognize theirs. That's what I feel like is my motivation, is, is, is my legacy. I care that my, my life would matter and that my life would make a difference and that I come in contact with people and when I walk in a room, anxiety walks out of their room. My legacy matters. Number two, my family. Are you kidding me? I, I want to make my dad proud. 
I want to make my mom proud. I want to make my sisters proud. I want to see my sisters see me as a, as a source of hope and a source of influence and inspiration. I want my sons to look up to their dad and to say, I'm so proud of my dad. I want them to, I want to create a pathway and that my ceiling becomes their floor. I, I care so deeply about my family. I want to make my wife proud. My family matters to me. And so when you start thinking about this, I can get emotional thinking about it. But what motivates you to be better? So many of us have settled exactly where we're at. God does not want you to say settling is satanic. Stop settling. It's time to grow. I wrote down the last one. I think this is the most powerful. More than my legacy, more than my family is eternity. Is there are souls hanging in the balance where if I don't get better, they won't get reached. And so my life is a billboard. I am an ambassador for Christ is what scripture says. And so it is time to grow. So do you want to grow? What motivates you to grow? Well, here's what I want to write down. I want to get practical. I think this is really important because I, hopefully I created, that was my intro. Hopefully I created enough to where you're like, okay, it's time to grow, but, but how do I grow? Where do I start? What do I do? Well, I have four things for you, okay? How do you grow? Number one, consumption. Number one is consumption. What are you consuming? Are you feeding on trash? My dad just posted this on his Instagram. Garbage in, garbage out. If you're putting trash in your body or in your soul or in your mind, of course it's going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. So of course your life is going to be full of trash if you're consuming trash all the time. And so we have to be so cautious with what we are consuming and what we are feeding on. When was the last time you opened your Bible? When was the last time you got revelation from the Word of God? When was the last time you opened a good book that developed and helped you grow and advance? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to introduce a term to you that I learned from a mentorship program that I'm a part of. And it was this, strategic learning. Strategic learning. The world has an abundance of information. But the thing is, not all information is as equally important to you in your life and in your context. Some, some information to me would be a lot better than some information for you, but equally as opposite. So I, you, we all need to know and understand that, listen, not all things, not all information is going to be applicable to all of our contexts, which is why you have to strategically learn and strategically invest in areas that you need to strategically learn and invest in. And I'll show you what this means. Three areas. Number one, your appetites. Number one, your appetites. Write this question down. Where are you hungry? Where are you hungry? I can tell you for sure, I wanted to grow in personal development. I wanted to grow in communication. I have invested thousands of dollars in learning how to communicate, in learning how to study the Bible, in learning theology, in learning homiletics, in learning hermeneutics. I have invested thousands of dollars because I am hungry to grow in an area because this is what God has called me to do. So God has put gifts on the inside of us. But we are responsible, and what really mentors do and investments do is they pull those gifts out of us. But our gifts are at like level one, but you got to develop it to like a level 10. God put a gift in you, but you have to learn how to use that gift and weaponize that gift. So where are you hungry and where do you need to grow? That's number one, appetites. Number two, ailments. Where are you hurting? I can tell you in areas where you are not fruitful and fulfilled and flourishing, those are areas that you need to get education and strategic learning in. Now, some of us have natural strengths and aptitudes. God gave all of us gifts. So naturally, I was probably more of a leader than I was a communicator. I was much more of a, I'd say, leader than I was a pastor. And so being under Pastor Derek Fry, I have learned how to pastor people and shepherd people and care for souls. I would not have had that had I not been under his leadership. 
And so I'm so grateful for that. So we need to identify our areas of weakness and then develop that because that's where our ailments are. Where are you hurting? So number one, where are you hungry? Where are you hurting? And here's number three, assignments. Appetites, ailments, assignments. What season am I in in my life that requires biblical knowledge? Or you could say truth. What, what season am I in in my life that requires biblical knowledge? I can tell you when I first uh, found out that my wife and I are pregnant, I thought to myself, I've seen a lot of fathers. I am a son. I have a great father. But I am absolutely terrified to become a father. So needless to say, because now my assignment is changing and becoming a dad, well, friend, can I just tell you, I need to get educated on learning how to be a dad. I read this book. It was called The Dad Difference. It gave me this acronym that literally changed my life. I was so thankful for it. And how to raise kids right, R-I-T-E. So here's the four focuses of a dad. This is the book that I got. Tons of other information. There's tons of other counsel and stuff. But here's what always stuck with me. And these are areas that I'm focusing on. Because of a strategic learning assignment, which was I, I will leave how to raise my kids right. Relationship, integrity, teaching, and experiences. I learned that in a season because of strategic learning. So, appetites, ailments. Hopefully this is making sense. I hope, why don't you throw something in the chat if this is making sense. And this is like, hey, this is really good. Appetites, ailments, and assignments. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We've heard this quote in a culture many times. You know, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is expensive. And there are some areas that you will have to pay for because you didn't pay for them in the very beginning. Does that make sense? There are some areas that you will have to pay for later because you didn't invest in them earlier. And so I think it's so important that so many of us get this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's no information. Some people have no information. Some people have misinformation. But then some people have true information, which is why we need to go to the source of truth, which is Scripture. Oh, I could talk about whole lot in that of sola scriptura and solo scriptura, but we don't have time for that, unfortunately. How do you grow? Consumption, number two, community. Oh, man, this is so important. We are not going to get away from small groups and for the people that come to our church. Like, these people talk about small groups all the time. Yes, because Sunday is not enough. If you get one sermon a week, and statistically, people are not coming every single week, but if you get one sermon a week, That is not enough for your spiritual development and spiritual growth. You need brothers, you need sisters, you need fathers, you need mothers, you need friends, you need peers, you need mentees, you need teachers. We need each other. As a matter of fact, I was going through my old, uh, I have an illustrations list. And I was finding this one on community, and I remember watching National Geographic. By the way, it's Shark Week right now, like the greatest week in the entire year, okay? So it's Shark Week, and you have, you have all seen this fish. You know the fish that is on the shark, and it's like attached to its belly, and it like, you know, swims around all around the shark, and it's like a little sucker, it's like a little sucker fish? Well, this fish is called a remora fish. Now watch this. So the remora fish typically eats the parasites, it typically eats the dead skin off of the sharks, and it's a mutual agreement, and it's a mutual friendship that these, the shark and the remora fish have. Number one, the shark gets cleanliness. The shark gets somebody that's cleaning it off, that's taking care of its body, that's taking care of all the possible diseases or parasites or sickness that it would have. Meanwhile, the remora fish actually gets to go and travel and it gets protection and it gets safety because they are in community. There is this mutual agreement that these two fish have that I'm going to add value to you and you're going to add value to me. Now, here's what's interesting. The remora fish 
typically does not just eat the skin off of the shark, the dead skin off of the shark, or parasites. The really interesting and kind of disgusting thing is, to be honest, these remora fish eat the feces of sharks. You're probably wondering, what in the world is Devin talking about in this sermon? It's going somewhere, don't worry. So this remora fish eats the parasites, it eats the dead skin, and even some of the fecal matter from the shark. Because this is what real relationship looks like. Real relationships are, they help you, they grow with you, they go with you, they drive with you, they're going to certain destinations together with you. You guys are one together, and one is strong where the other is weak. Where the other is weak, the other is strong. And sometimes the best of friends help you with your crap. I told you it was going somewhere. That's what a Romora fish is like. I see, I see in the text with Jesus, Jesus has a mother and a father. He has brothers and sisters and friends. If we remember, the caravan was traveling to, from Jerusalem to and to and from Jerusalem. So they were attending the Passover, but there was a convoy of people. So, so Mary and Joseph didn't lose Jesus. Matter of fact, Mary and Joseph were probably off with their friends. Mary was over here with her girls. Joseph was over here with her guys. Jesus was probably playing with the children. But then they went to Jerusalem, and then Jesus stayed there. So naturally, Mary and Joseph go back off, and they go back off to where they're from, Nazareth. And they're like, oh, well, Joseph, I thought Jesus was with you. And Mary's like, no, I thought she, he was with you. Where, where, where are you at? And then they find out, okay, he's back, at, back in Jerusalem. Well, here's what's interesting about this is Jesus is sitting under rabbis, sitting under teachers. So he has a pastor. He has teachers. He has mentors. He has brothers and sisters and friends that he was traveling with. He's got a spiritual mom and dad. Jesus wasn't alone. You think Jesus grew by himself? No, Jesus couldn't even grow by himself because you don't become your best self by yourself. Nobody does. You don't become your best self by yourself. You need community. You need people to do life with. You need a remora fish on your side, taking care of some of the parasites, taking care of some of the crap that's going on in your life because we are going and growing together. You need community. So are you isolated? Are you alone? Number one, you need consumption. How do you grow? Consumption. Number two, community. Number three, your calendar. Here's something I wrote down. One of the biggest threats to you and I accomplishing our purpose is being busy with things that have nothing to do with it. We'll throw it up on the screen. One of the biggest threats to you and I accomplishing our purpose is to being busy with things that have nothing to do with it. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Time management is so important because Jesus says, what are you talking about? I have to, I must be in my father's house. Here's what's interesting about this passage. Verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and in favor with man. Well, we find that Jesus' birth was in, chapter, was in Luke chapter 2, the beginning of Luke chapter 2. We find that at 12 years old, we find him in verse 41 in chapter, uh, chapter 2. But then after verse 52, we don't hear from Jesus for 18 years. This was the last account we get of Jesus in his youth. And so based on the text that we have provided right here, what can we naturally assume Jesus was doing in the 18 years of being hidden? He was preparing. He was utilizing the time that he had for training. So eventually at 30 years old, when his public ministry started, he could reign. So he had to prepare for his purpose. 
Jesus was in a personal growth. He was a personal growth, growth obsession. He was obsessed with growing, with learning, with hearing from God, with healing, hearing from the Holy Spirit, with understanding the scriptures, with knowing his purpose. This was Jesus' obsession. And so he was obsessed with the calendar, with time. And so what he invested in was so, so important. And people that are growing must be consumed by, number one, the content that they consume, the community that they're around, and the calendar. Meaning they, they have to make sure they manage their time wisely because all of us have limited time on this planet. So teach us to number our days is what the scripture says in Psalms. Teach us to number our days. And here's what I want. I want our church to be successful. Now I know the world sabotages that world, that word. The world has sabotaged that word and we make it seem like it is so heathen, that it is so cultural. But here's my definition of success. Success is when I reach my goals without destroying my soul. Success is when I have resources and I have my relationships. What good is it, the Bible says, to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? I see Jesus. I see Jesus in this text where he is always growing. He is always increasing in wisdom and stature in favor of God and with favor of man. But he is obsessed with becoming who God has called him to be. That's a hungry person. I pray that you become successful, that you have an abundance of resources, but you don't sacrifice the relationships, your family. I pray you have finances, but I pray more than anything you have your family. I pray that those closest to you respect you the most. That's true success because healthy things grow. It's core value of our church. And I wanna challenge you, don't settle. It's time to grow. And I wanna pray for you right now. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I wanna believe that God is going to speak to you. And he, hopefully he already has, but that the Holy Spirit would challenge you, would nudge you and push you, guide you, direct you and influence you onto the path of growth. No more of this realm of randomness. Come into a life of intentionality where we are monitoring what we consume, we are monitoring who we are around in our community, and we are a monitor of our calendar, knowing that our values, our priorities, that my faith, my family, my fitness, my finances, my friends, my fun is included into that. Those are some of my values. And I think it's important to have yours. So I want to pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name, for all those that are on the sound of my voice, for my church family, for those listening on podcasts or YouTube, online, Framingham, I believe, Lord, that you have, you have nudged them in the right direction. You've shown them God's desires for us to grow like Jesus. I pray that we would all grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and in favor of man. That we would have an all-encompassing balance. Jesus grew in wisdom, intellect, stature, physically, favor with God spiritually, favor with man relationally. He had a healthy, holistic balance of growth. And so I pray that our church would be strong, would be balanced. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do this today in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and eye closed still, I want to give you an opportunity now to say yes to Jesus. Jesus ultimately shows us the pathway of how to live a life fulfilled, while at the same time, he is the path to get to heaven. And so Jesus is our example, but he is also our savior. And I want to give you an opportunity now to say yes to Jesus. If you're online, if you're watching on Framingham, I want you to just ask today, 
Jesus into your heart to say, I need to say yes to him. I've been running from God, and it's time to come into my purpose. That's to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up on three. If you're in Framingham, if you're online, would you, would you type that button below, hit that button below. Or you can send a message to CC Saved at 97,000. Shoot us a message. We want to help you. We want to help you in this journey of growth. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't you dare wait another minute. Three, today is your day. And I'm believing in faith that there are hands going up. And I thank you so much for making that decision. But would you repeat this prayer after me? And then I'm done. Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. I repent for my sins. And I invite you into my heart today. I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Today, I will live for you all the days of my life. And I decide that I'm going to grow. And I'm not going to remain the same. But I'm going to be all that you have for me. And so we accept that challenge, Lord. We thank you for the many salvations today and for those that are going from, from the next step to the best step. And that is on this personal growth journey because our value of our church is we grow and healthy people grow. And so we thank you so much. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church family, I love you. Y'all the best. See you soon.